Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, welcome to part two of my healing journey. If you haven't already listened to part one, I highly recommend going back to that episode, part one. It came out very recently, so go check that out first, otherwise part two just won't really make much sense to you. And for those who are ready to jump into part two, here we go. I'm not going to hold things much longer. Just a recap, remember last time I left things off, I was traveling the world, I was in New Zealand, binging on Nutella, every single village I went to, and running half marathons in the lashing rain to try to work off the binges. So that's where I left you off, and that's where I'm gonna start things back again. Here we go, in three, two, one. In the middle of this beautiful place, it was pretty rainy for a few days, like very, actually very torrential rain. I ran a half marathon on my own in the middle of nowhere, in the rain, like everything on me was drenched. My clothes probably weighed 10 pounds or something because I'd been binging. Like I, I was like, I have to, I have to work this off. I have to. And I was so tired on the half marathon. At the end, I, I stopped it like a kilometer short and was just so tired. I was so out of it. I hitchhiked in the middle of a country I've never been to. Luckily, two old sweet people brought me back to my hostel. Just like even literally putting myself in danger's way. So crazy. But that's the reality of it. Like you're just so in it. So I'm traveling, go all around parts of Asia. I end up back in Europe. I actually started there doing like a huge road trip with my sister. But I ended there. Oh yeah, when I went to Nepal. I went to Ever Mount Everest base camp. Like I did this amazing hike. The most beautiful thing I've done in my life. Like absolutely amazing and as soon as we got back to Kathmandu in my hotel room guess what I found Nutella in Kathmandu bought two small jars of it and went through it ASAP ASAP so I'm telling you things were pretty bleak the thing I thought would solve things the travel the fun the adventure didn't so then here we go guys it's gonna start moving upwards don't worry there's some positivity in the story then I moved to Hong uh, London and actually first I was pretty scared because I was like oh my god only bad things have happened in my life in London it's only been negative places mentally and physically so I was pretty scared but my mum had just bought a new house in London so I went with her and we kind of set things up and she stayed there for a few months so I, I had that like accountability factor and I felt like it is a fresh start, um, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And at one point I was like, you know what, let's stop procrastinating. Let's just do something because something's better than nothing. So I, I applied to some startups. Actually, like I had always felt like I had to go into finance or consulting because that's just the culture I'd always been around. And finally, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try something different because I'd done all those internships, I'd tried it all and I didn't like it. So I was like, I'm gonna do startup. I applied to this really cool beauty tech startup that was like Uber, but for manicures, like you order 
you book online and they come to your house and give you a manicure or a massage or waxing or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is pretty, pretty sweet. I vibe with the content. So I actually signed up to do marketing. And it was a small company at the time, eight people, maybe six. And so I finally had routine, I had purpose, I had stability. And I had community. Because there was eight of us, I wasn't a drop in the ocean at university where it's like hundreds of people. I wasn't even one of 60 in Moscow in my grade. I was one of eight and you're working together. For me, I always felt like what I missed in university was there was no community. Like you, you come and you go and that's it. Like you're not together all day working and bonding. That's what I really struggled with there. So now I was so relieved. Like I'm with these eight people. We're working nine hours a day. Like we get close and it was great. It was like such a family, like such a cool vibe, very relaxed, but doing fun stuff. So things started to look better. I wasn't binging insanely, but I still was binging. I was probably still binging like three or four times a week, but it felt somehow not as bad. And my weight at that time, I was still very unhappy with it, but I had kept it from after I did that juice cleanse. So the whole time I traveled, I somehow kept it somewhat the same. So it was still like, more than I had won, like way off my goal weight that I'd always had for years, the same goal weight. It was still off that, but I felt better. So going to work, purpose, routine, stability, feeling good, but I'm still isolating myself. So I'm still at work, bonding with people, but then I rush straight home. I would never go to work drinks. I wouldn't be open to speak to like other people in the co-working space. I was just like, do it and then go home rushing home, always rushing to the supermarket, mouth watering, like planning the binge. And I even remember sometimes calling in sick at that job because I was so messed up from the binge in the evening that I, I went to sleep at like 4am. And I, I think I remember telling my boss, cause it was kind of a casual relationship. Like I was just like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I never said about the binging, but I just said, oh, I've just been having trouble, like really bad insomnia lately. And he was like, oh yeah, you should take care of yourself, blah, blah. Alas, like no one knew what was really going on. And at this point, my mom was back in Hong Kong. So I, I was alone for a significant amount of time of the year in this house. And then, actually, hang on a second. When we move into that house, my mom, who, weirdo, but she hates dogs, okay? Like we always had a family dog. She hates dogs and she was like, I'm never having a dog in my like dream house. But I had I had kind of like lightheartedly said like, oh, it'd be so cute to get this dog. Look on Instagram, like look how cute this kind of breed is. It was a cockpoo. And I started looking on, on websites to like try to get a dog. And then she opened up to the idea. She's like, yeah, like let's do it. And I was shocked, but it just showed, it showed me how much my mom just really wanted me to feel better because she knew it would it would be something, a piece of the puzzle that could help me get back to like the old me mentally. And that was definitely something that actually really did help. Having that dog, it really helped because you have to care for someone else. You have to be responsible for someone else. Whereas my eating disorder had kept me so focused on myself, so focused on myself. So now you're caring for someone else. You have to wake up 
at 7 a.m. or whatever it is to let them out. So you can't be going out of control with your binges and sleeping in until like 4 p.m., which by the way, I did a lot in university. There were phases where I was completely inverted, like awake all night, asleep all day for like weeks. It was so messed up. But having the dog really helped. Also just the like endorphins and the bonding and going on walks with her and having to go outside more. It was really good. Whew, God, this is a story, guys. This is a story. Actually, can we just take one more, <laughs> one more breath? Let's do it. Inhaling. And out. So have the dog, have the job, still rushing home after work, still binging. I was at this time very much forcing myself to be into running, very much forcing it. I, for years, was always trying to run a marathon, train for it, and I'd always kind of like give up like three quarters into the training. And this time I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it. So I was really training. I was running all the distances. And I pushed my body so far that a week before I was supposed to go to Portugal, Lisbon, for the race, I'd booked like a hotel and a flight. My dad was going to support me. I messed up my spine, like my back so badly. Um, yeah, it was really bad. Like the doctors had me on codeine tablets and stuff. And it was crazy. Couldn't walk, couldn't sit, couldn't sleep, like really bad. And it took about 10 months to get better, but it forced me to stop cardio for quite some time. So I, I stopped and I'll come back to that in a bit because that will be part of the healing journey. But at this time, so things were picking up, but I was, I was still deeply um, having, I was deeply troubled with my sense of worth and that manifested in a series, sorry guys, I'll turn off my phone, a series of very toxic relationships. Yes, I was that girl who would come to work and have so much gossip about this guy and that guy and complaining and yeah, just I thrived on the attention of being able to come back and like report all these stories to my friends and they seemingly were so interested and it was so interesting like fun for them as well so I was like that was me I was that girl who was dating and telling all my friends all these stories and it seemed it seemed entertaining and thrilling and like such a good story to have when I'm a grandma and stuff but deep down it fucking sucked because I got caught up in some very bad toxic relationships one of them was a year and a half long and it tore me apart truly and it's interesting because when that relationship ended things really started to improve I'm kind of really realizing that now that that was probably part of what helped when that relationship ended things really started to improve um that that guy whether it was from a bad place or ignorant place or whatever it was tore me apart my confidence just the comments he would make grabbing the fat on my body and telling me I got fat like just not a good place to be in but I was so convinced that I needed to make him love me or something I was so convinced that he was like the one that we were like such a good match even though we we were so terrible together 
So that kept me in a bad place. But then, but then I found Luca, who is my current boyfriend. Uh, it's pretty serious. We own a flat together. We have a dog. Um, so yeah, needless to say, it's serious. And um, we've been together for like three years. So I met him in the co-working space that I was in, in London. So he was in a different company in the same building. And one night we had a co-working office um, party, a summer party. I was feeling good that day. I felt like I looked cute. I had like, such a good group of friends. Like we had a bunch of interns in the office that summer, vibing, like so fun, such good vibes. Show up to the party in a good mood. You know, when you show up to a party and you're either in like a low energy state and nothing really goes well, and it's not a fun night and you just want to go home. Other times you show up and it's like, boom, it, like the music's good. The vibe is good. Everyone's laughing. It's, you're having fun. It was that kind of night. It was a beautiful summer day in London, light till like 10.30 p.m. It was so good. And it's so funny because one of my male friends at, uh, in my company, Steph, he, uh, I had told him, hey, Steph, like, I really have a crush on this guy. Can you like wingman me at the party? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're in. I'm in, I'm in. So at the party, I'm always trying to move like closer, like our group closer to this guy. And right before we're about to like merge groups, there's a group in the way. And Steph knows this group that's in the way because they're all Italian and he's Italian. And he was like, introduced us to all of them. And we said hi and shook their hands. But I was, I literally didn't remember even saying hi to any of them because I was so focused on like meeting this other guy. And then the party continues to a bar. So we go and I'm still like focused on this guy, but then he starts to get really, really drunk. Sorry guys, this is such a tangent, but it's a cool story. He gets really, really drunk and I get turned off. I'm like, oh, he's like so sloppy and nah, never mind. And then I kind of turn to my left and I realize this guy was there in front of me the whole time. This guy, Luca, who had been introduced to me. I don't even remember meeting him. <laughs> because I was so focused on the other guy. But our, our groups merged that night and we just all had like a lot of fun and it, it vibed really well. And I remember feeling like home, like it was so comfortable to talk with him. We, we met on so many levels of um, commonality, like our love for travel and where we wanted to travel in the world. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. But I was still at that time in that toxic relationship. And it took a while for me to end the toxic one and really dive into the one with Luca. But that summer was one of the best summers of my life and so healing, so healing. It just goes back to connection, connection with my dog, connection with my co colleagues, colleagues, connection with Luca. And then when I really started to bond with him, he introduced me to his friend groups and I became friends with them. And a bunch of my um, childhood best friends moved to London that year or the year after. And I felt so complete socially. It was like everything started to come together. And I know that's not, it's not something that, it's not an easy tool for me to just be like, use this tool and you're going to stop binge eating and love your body again. But connection is so powerful, so powerful. And um, it wasn't just the connection, 
that like solve things. Definitely not. Because of being with him and my social life changing and becoming way more positive, certain behavioral things changed. So examples, we were cooking a lot together. That was really fun. So it added in the fun factor and the kind of normal factor of food again, instead of it being so calculated and only about weight loss. So cooking, community, so eating with him, with his flatmates, with friends way more often. Again, the normality of food again. And even all the socializing, like going out a lot forced me to drink. Like I hadn't allowed myself to drink and have fun, party, create those fun memories, like have fun in years all through university like I didn't have fun and finally I'm just allowing myself to drink like forgetting about the calories the empty calories and alcohol and just going with the flow that added so like it sounds so stupid like oh drinking alcohol but it added enrichment to my life because of what is around alcohol the social atmosphere of it and again just being with people so much more often I I it was a forcing function like I was forced to eat normally I was forced to I had way less time or opportunities to binge but also I was around this new guy I was around new people I wanted to seem normal I didn't want to be having the naked salad while they're all having some pasta or something especially with Luca like he's such an intuitive eater and I just wanted to go with the flow plus I was in that blissful state of love where you're not overthinking and you're just so in the moment so I was forced to eat normally at least several meals a week. Of course, I had my time alone. And yeah, sometimes I was still binging in those alone moments. But they were, coming, they were becoming fewer and, fewer and further between, which was helping just in terms of my brain, like the wiring of my brain. I wasn't, all, I wasn't always going to binging all the time. It was those that those networks that like the connections in my brain were weakening. I wasn't so uh, dependent on my binges. And then what else? So I'm just looking at my notes because I obviously have a huge page of notes right here. So cooking, community, drinking, eating normally, also the amount of food. I was observing him, not so explicitly, but just, you know, when we'd serve our our dinner together, we've cooked a spaghetti or something and we're serving it, I would notice how much pasta he would take. And it opened up my mind a lot. I had been stuck in the diet mindset where pasta is just like empty carbs, it's a no-go, it's the devil. I've never let myself have pasta, like several times a year only. And to see him fill up these big bowls of pasta and eat it and he's like this like he's he's skinny like he's a skinny guy he's not tall so I, I didn't have the excuse of like oh but he's some six foot four athlete so he's allowed to eat that much pasta he's only like two or three inches taller than me and he's slim he has like no muscle mass because he doesn't care about exercise at all so it wasn't a very distant comparison and so it opened up my mind I was like you know what I'm just gonna eat what he serves me because he doesn't have disordered eating thoughts. So he probably knows a thing or two about 
intuitive eating. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'd eat what he gave me or, you know, similar portion sizes to him and nothing bad happened. And I, we kept doing this like over and over, all different cuisines. We were so experimental with the food and cooking and restaurants and drinking and everything. And nothing bad was happening. Like I was not spiraling. My weight was not going up. I was binging less, eating more normally. I was spreading the pleasure throughout the week instead of reserving it only for like Friday when I rush home after work. So this really, I wasn't very um, aware of this at the time. Like all of these things, like that they were the reasons my binging was decreasing. But when I look back, I see it's all the classic signs of, of the behaviors that do need to change. Which is pretty awesome to see. Um, so that started to improve. And what else? Let's see. Another thing was over that summer, there were a few months where my mom stayed in London and I was starting to get more comfortable with my food relationship, more normal. And I was starting to try to normalize my binge foods, Domino's, for example. My routine would always be order the Domino's, even if my mom was there and she would stay upstairs and I would rush downstairs to this TV room and just eat it on my own and watch TV at the same time and finish the thing regardless. Like I would always finish the whole thing plus the cookies, even if I was more full or less full one day, like it was a rule. I always had to finish it. Now I started trying to eat it with my mom in front of her. I tried to tell myself, okay, I'm just gonna, like, I know the full eight slices plus the four cookies is always more than I need. Like, it's never been what my body needs. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna try to, I can try to go for seven slices, six slices, and then five, and then still eat the cookies and stuff. But just trying to show myself, like, I don't need to eat the whole thing every time. And I, I can start to normalize it and not feel like it's some secretive thing and hide down in the basement eating it. Like I can eat it with my mom. That started to help. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. I just wanted to jump in to let you in on a little something that you're going to love. I'm so excited, so proud to be opening up another group coaching round. This will be the last time in 2021 that I'll be opening it up. It's a 15 week group course called BBE or break up with binge eating. So obviously it's designed to help you do just that, break free from binge eating. And more than that, do that inner healing. So we have long lasting, real results, real change, working on your body image, your beliefs, your self-talk, and more than that, your food relationship, really ensuring that you reach that relaxed, go with the flow, easy relationship with food that you so deserve and dream of. So it's a real combination of the practical, the do, and the inner work, the healing, the woo. So the do and the woo, that's me. It's going to be an incredibly supportive container, such a safe space with women just like you going through the same thing. We've seen amazing, incredible results in the past that I am blown away by, like you women. You guys continue to surprise me and just go beyond what I even expect. So this is definitely for you if you want to never binge again, not even think about binging again. It's out of your vocabulary. You don't want to care about your weight anymore. You just want to go with the flow and 
not be dictated by that number on the scale every morning. You want to reach real, true, intuitive eating, being able to nourish, fuel your body, eat those fun foods that you want, but also take care of your body. If you want to learn to regulate your emotions, cope with those difficult times, so we're not going to food to deal with big emotions. And if you want to build your body confidence, that body love, body acceptance, don't worry, we go deep into that stuff because it is crucial. And if you want to rewire your self-talk, that mental landscape, so it's actually a nice place to live inside your mind. It's actually a nice, supportive, loving place to be. My method is based on not only my own experience, but helping hundreds of women so far heal as well. Clients one-to-one, group coaching, online course, and of course my own coaching certification plus research that I've done over the years. So this is it, this is the real deal. I'm so excited. So if you are ready to invest, if you feel so cold to this and you're just like, yes, this is for me, I'm in, then scroll down to the show notes because I've got a link there. You can click through, find out all the details, what's included. I share what each module is, pricing, everything. It's all there. So 5th of April, BBE group coaching. Are you in? Let's do this. I would love, love, love to invite you on board. And then remember, refer back to when I injured my spine and I hadn't been doing cardio. So now, uh, the same summer, just when I met Luca, I was like, you know what? I want to get toned. I've lost all my muscle mass. I haven't done any exercise really for a good six months. So I got a PT. There was this personal trainer who worked in the co-working space as well. So I kind of knew him and I was like, look, uh, he, he had randomly put out a thing saying, oh, I'm calling 15 people to do this freebie trial thing with me. Let's do it. And I was like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. And I told him my goals. I just, I just want like a booty and be more toned, gain some muscle mass, get my fitness up again. He changed things slightly in my head. Uh, There were a few tips that I took and some that I left behind. One was he changed my mindset from, like, I'd always known that, you know, you shouldn't focus on the number on the scale. If anything, if you want to focus on some metric with body composition, look at your body fat percentage. Because obviously if you're super muscly, muscle weighs more and you could weigh 70 kilos, but be like all fat or all muscle and your body will look totally different. I'd always known that, like, all the years, obviously, I educated myself with all these facts, but I never really lived by that. So when I worked with him, he was like, look, we're not focusing on the number, we're just going to look at body fat percentage. And he said, we're not going to weigh ourselves daily, you're going to do it once every two to three weeks. So it's just, uh, you know, you're not focused on those small fluctuations that get you down and make you restrict, it's just the, the overall trend. So it started to pull me away from a place where I had been for you know, a good like eight years of weighing myself daily. And now I wasn't doing that. It was once every two weeks and I was focused on that other number. I was focused on building strength. Like I was really, he was making me lift really heavy weights and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool, so badass. I'd go to the gym with like rap music and be like, oh my God, I'm so, like I'm lifting heavier than that guy. Like I thought I was so badass. It felt really good. And he, so I, 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 kept the strength training thing after him. That felt great. I loved building muscle mass. I felt like it was helping with my metabolism that had been messed up for years. 
I felt like I truly was able to eat more by building muscle. So that was great. The body fat, the weighing thing, I, once I stopped working with him after two months, I actually dropped it. So I just, by now I wasn't weighing myself daily. I was doing once every two weeks. And then I, it was easier to drop that than a daily habit. So now I just stopped it. I stopped weighing myself from that moment. And that's been three years. I don't weigh myself. That was game changing. I can't tell you. That was game changing. Oh my God. Taking my focus away from my weight, something that I would think about multiple times a day, a hundred of times a day, whatever it is, to not thinking about it. Like it's not a thing to think about. <laughs> it helped a lot. And it wasn't overnight where suddenly I didn't care about my weight, but I just told myself like, I'm not doing this anymore. It never helped me. I remember back in my dieting days, I'd read the, the tip saying that would say, uh, statistically, people who weigh themselves while trying to lose weight daily lose weight, are more successful in their weight loss goals than people who don't weigh themselves often. So I'd always stuck to that and be like, oh, if I don't weigh myself, I'm going to be ignorant and lose it and not care and let things slide. But this time when I tried it, it, it worked in my favor. I wasn't thinking about my weight. I wasn't eating based on that number that I'd seen every morning. I was going with the flow, which felt so damn good. And actually, when I worked with that PT, I, I actually didn't lose weight, but I also didn't lose body fat. I lost it and gained it back because he also had me tracking macros and calories and food on my fitness pal. That's something that I had done on and off on my own through my own journey, but I hadn't done it for a while and then he got me back onto it. And uh, it has never been a good thing for me. Like even with him, I was binging at times and then just like not putting it into my fitness pal because I was, he was, he had access. And so he could see, and I didn't want him to see. And I wanted to sort of, ignore the fact that I had binged and not see the number and how it's gonna affect how I've like gone over my calorie limit that day so I always lived in that like ignorance is bliss state with calories and uh my weight was not going down my body fat you know went back up to where it started and I just quit I just quit the thing because I it was so much pressure of someone seeing what you're eating every day and giving feedback and kind of uh he was he was probably a good PT for some people, like just like to the point, blunt, tough love kind of thing. But it wasn't what I needed at that time. It really wasn't. So I quit it, didn't lose any weight, but I took on uh, the positives of not focusing on my weight anymore. Massive positive. And one other tip he shared with me in our intro meeting was he didn't want me to focus on calories per day of like whatever it was. Uh, he actually had me on I think it was like 1500 calories or something. So he was like, don't focus on whether you've gone over or under the 1500 on a daily basis, spread it out over a weekly. So, you know, on your weekends, you might go over and that's fine because sometimes in the week you go under. I don't, I didn't carry that like very specific calorie counting kind of methodology going forward, but it made me think in a um, bigger picture kind of sense where I wasn't so granular and focus on daily, is it a failure or success? A failure or success? 
I just said, you know, life is not just each day. It's like a bigger picture kind of thing. So it again helped me loosen up and go with the flow a bit more. So I could allow myself to like have fun when you go out drinking and go uh, to restaurants and stuff. So that was something I took with me as well. And what else? So stop the PT. Things are going great with Luca. Everything's going really great. And last thing, with the the cardio that I'd stopped from the injury, started tra- strength training with the PT, I started adding in cardio, but just like small sprints on the treadmill, just only keeping things fun and like exciting. Like I was always trying to compete with myself and like, how fast can I run a kilometer? Just keeping it really easy and light and taking it that break from everything that I had associated exercise with over the past few years. No more long distance running. Like sometimes I do it now, but I don't have any very diligent, like regimented routines with exercise anymore. I'm just going with the flow way more and just letting my body be like, you know what, what, what kind of phase am I in the mood for now? What does my body want? What, how can I treat it well? So that's something that's really helped as well. I think that's kind of kind of a bit of a in parallel to the whole food situation is when you heal the food situation, the exercise situation can really heal a bit more naturally without too much thought because it was really a byproduct of the food issues of like, I need to compensate for the binges, so I need to exercise a lot. When you're not binging, it's not necessary to punish yourself like that and it becomes much easier. But that's it, guys. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Sorry, (laughs) I just realized I have a final part on this next page of notes. Don't worry. Oh, don't worry. It'll be quick. So that, that, what I've shared so far, those, the tools that helped were the initial, the first three, four, five months. Binging stopped, all good. Um, There was even a day where I, I was watching TV with Luca and randomly the word binge popped into my head and I was like, what? I haven't thought of that. I haven't thought that word or written it or texted it to my mom in six months. And it was, that was a very big moment for me. I remember it very well. Anyway, that's all fine. So no more binging. But since then, I've done more work to like fortify and uh, do a bit, a bit more of the inner work. Because I think a lot of what had been done before was uh, incidental incidental kind of food behaviors that got fixed and tweaked given the circumstances but none of it was very purposeful and since then I've done more purposeful work to really strengthen myself and that inner work the sense of self-worth the belief systems um, something that actually has gone across my mind is you know obviously as you guys can tell Luca was a big part of that journey without him would it have gone the same? Probably not. And I've definitely had the thought, like, am I dependent on this person? If we break up, if something happens, will I relapse and just go back into my old ways? And part of me felt guilty about that, thinking like, oh, I didn't really recover, you know? It just happened because I happened to find this person So there were times when I felt guilty, but then I listened to a podcast. I think it was, um, 
I think it was, you know, the School of Greatness, Lewis Howes, it's like a top podcast. And it was with the guest, the holistic psychologist, Nicole, Dr. Nicole Lapira, I think her name is. Amazing. Definitely check her out on Instagram. She's coming out with a book and I've pre-ordered it like six months ago. But I remember her saying, we're social creatures. We thrive on connection. And you know that saying where people say you can't like find love or no one's going to fall in love with you until you love yourself or until you're like in a good place. And she said to that something that I've never forgot. If you wait till you're in a good place or something, you might be waiting forever. Like there's always something you can fix by yourself or some inner work or healing to do. There's nothing wrong with healing within a relationship. We're social creatures. A huge element of healing is safeness and connection and that is exactly what happened with me with Luca and when I heard her say that I felt such relief because I never articulated it to myself that way but it it made perfect sense like there is nothing wrong with healing within a relationship I, I mean I definitely helped him heal certain wounds in himself as well whether he knows it or not we all build each other up and whether it's a really romantic relationship a friendship a colleague like um or maybe even a coach like me like whatever the relationship style you can heal within that container and that's okay you don't have to do it alone you don't have to figure it out all alone it's okay to have help and um yeah that's something that always really stuck with me so I felt the relief in that but then I also thought you know what I'm just gonna keep working on myself because there's still more to do. And when I decided to start my business, I also joined a coaching certification. And what they do is the first two months of it, you do all the the work on yourself. So all the tools they teach you that you then, you do them on yourself for two months. So you sort of um, talk the talk, walk the walk. And then for six months after that, they train you how to coach other people. And you basically re-go through all of these tools in more detail and add more to it so for eight months you're kind of just doing this stuff on yourself and that was really helpful and that it it got me into this space of uh just like doing that inner healing so I went deeper I I learned how to regulate my emotions how to deal with big emotions that otherwise I might maybe before I'd done that, like even though I was healed from my binging, maybe I would have gone to excessive overeating every now and then from a stressful event or a sad event or something. So that's been very helpful for me. Um, with my my oldest dog, she passed away. We had to euthanize her pretty recently, which was like devastating. She was way too young. And um, that was huge emotionally for me. And if I hadn't learned these tools of emotional regulation, that it would have probably been a totally different situation of me binging or going to food excessively to deal with the sadness and the anger about the situation and everything. But I, I've learned how to deal with these emotions in a really healthy way. I've done that. A lot of mindfulness and a lot of awareness around the thoughts and shifting the landscape in my mind, the thought landscape to something way more conducive to success and happiness and positivity. Really helpful. Learned about the concept of safety and implemented that a lot. 
even though my binging had gone, I'd say the body image stuff took time to clear up. And I'd say that's something that is still slightly there. The food stuff is all totally fine, totally normal. The body image stuff can come and go every now and then. Um, and so using that concept of safety has helped a lot. Body checking was something that lingered for a while because it's just so quick and automatic. And so using safety there help, has helped me a lot, just feeling safe in, it's okay. Like it's safe. I'm safe in this body. I'm safe for my belly to be bigger after a meal. I'm safe for my thighs to be bigger right now. It's all safe. And uh, so yeah, definitely a lot of work on that. A lot of body image work, beliefs around mainly body image stuff as well and how it's linked or detangled from my sense of self-worth that I'm so much more than that your self your worthiness is infinite it's there innately as as a baby and nothing ever drags it down or lifts it up like it's just there you're so infinitely worthy and two more things shame I've released a lot of my shame around it through doing this business actually because I've had to obviously talk about it daily for a good year and a half, two years. Um, so that has helped a lot. I don't really feel any more shame around my journey. Obviously it's easy when you're out the other side but even to say the most embarrassing things that happened along the way or the deepest, darkest thoughts I had, I'm okay to talk about it because it's helping other people and it helps myself as well. Lastly, last thing since I've stabilized that I've worked on is normalizing every binge food fully. The final one, guys, you guessed it, Nutella. <laughs> I actually normalized that at the start of lockdown last year. I had kind of just steered clear of it for a while, for like a year or so. But I was like, you know what? It's really delicious. I don't want to live the rest of my life never having Nutella. So I normalized that, normalized all my binge foods. So all clear, all clear of the binge foods, which feels amazing. Just food is so natural and relaxed and easy now. It's so easy. Okay, that is officially my story from start to finish. As much as I could get in there. Obviously, there's more to it, but that's really the... I think enough that you guys need to know. When I say there's more to it, there's just more little stories or anecdotes I could tell you, but you've heard everything from start to finish that you need to know to make sense of it, to understand what happened, what made things snowball and what helped pull things back in and get me back to me. Like, I truly feel like me again. Like, I feel like that girl who was 15, 16, loving life, so active, food was easy. She had amazing social life, friendships, she had such confidence, like I feel like her again, but just so much more elevated, obviously, because I'm 29, like so much has happened and there's so much more depth and I've now got this amazing purpose to help you guys. I'm going to get like emotional, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's like, whew, I feel great. Like I feel really the best I think I ever have in my life, which is <sighs> such a relief, such a relief. But yeah, I hope it has inspired you guys, given you a sense of hope. Oh my god, I didn't think I'd be this emotional. 
Um, but yeah, hopefully it's given you some hope, inspired you, given you some ideas and at the very least just shown you similarities maybe in your journey with me and made you realize you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. <sighs> there is a way out. There is always a way out. And maybe your story was actually pretty different. Maybe different period of your life, different reasons. And that's okay because I've learned how to help other people. So if you ever want my help with that, I obviously did an 11 month course to help people, not just my own story, which is what I'm doing now. I've seen all the different things that help people that, you know, maybe wouldn't have helped me, but help other people. And that's amazing. Like everyone has their own unique journey. And just because you can't find someone with the exact same path as you, doesn't mean there's no way out for you. There absolutely is. Usually, even if the circumstances are slightly different, usually the what's really like the crux of it, like what's really underneath it is pretty similar, similar themes amongst people. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around, listening to this. I'm definitely going to take a break. Man, it hurts. It hurts your throat and your, your like jaw to talk for this long. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you got something from it. And just remember, got my freebie out at the moment. Five tools that I've seen help most with hundreds of women I've worked with. Definitely check it out in the show notes. And if you want so much more than that, if you want closeness, if you want connection, accountability, support, love, kindness, guidance in your healing journey, I am here for you. I haven't fully announced it yet, but I've got a group coaching course. The best thing, like in my heart, I know it's like the best program I've put out. It's so fleshed out. It's so thought out. It's coming out in just a few weeks. It's starting in just a few weeks. So if you feel called to hopping into a container, like a safe space, other women on this journey, me helping you out, guiding you, supporting you, helping bring you back to you, just like I feel like I am back to me. Like life is amazing. So if you want help with that from me, keep an eye out for the group coaching. If you want to reserve your spot, spot early, because I have a feeling this one's going to fill out pretty damn fast. If you want in, just DM me and we can see if we can get you on board, reserved before I open it up to everyone. And that's it, guys. That is it. I hope you have an amazing day and hopefully see you again another time. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. If you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life, change someone's day, change their mood or even their life. Be that person. I know I love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me that she's really thinking of me and wants to help me elevate my life alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at, at freewithbreed. I'm always open to feedback, so let me know what you want me to speak about, what you love, what you want less of. This podcast is for you after all. Last but not least, here's how to win a one-hour, one-to-one session with me. 
enter my monthly draw by sharing this episode or any of the episodes you've enjoyed, whether it's on your stories or on a post, and just make sure to tag me at Free With Breed. Simple as that. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you next time.